my god, it offended me on so many levels. <laughs> it was like really, really, really bad. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. Part one. Hipster Europe. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Duncan and Bo Come Correct, in which I, Bo, and uh, Duncan McLeish, uh, right over here, Duncan, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, we recommend movies to each other and uh, and see who sucked at doing that. Uh, <laughs> although, well, that's probably, that's probably not fair to say, because all the recommendations are good on one level or another. It's just a question of, of who was... Who, who who came most correct? Who, who had the better pick? Uh, every, mm-hmm. uh, as of right now, we are uh, once again tied <laughs> yeah. at, at three all. Um, so that's kind of exciting. We have another tiebreaker uh, episode. Yeah, yeah, this this could be interesting. I, yeah, I think so. Um, both both strong outings this week. I feel. Uh, but we'll yes, get I would agree. I would agree with that for different reasons, though. Different reasons, but they are both strong outings. Yeah, completely different kinds of movies, which which I like. I like the fact that we really we really took different approaches this week. So, mm-hmm. um, but before we get into the movies we're going to talk about, uh, let's talk about some of the stuff we've been watching. And uh, you know, a lot of shows uh, you and I are both on. We we kind of run down giant lists of movies, yeah. and in this case, let, let's keep it simple. Uh, so, you know, a movie or two that uh, you either really liked or really hated, you know, something that stuck with you is, is what we're looking for here. <laughs> right. Um, well, I, I, I've been checking out, uh, well, understandable, I've been checking out a lot of horror as, as within my wheelhouse um, as a genre. Uh, so I checked out this Spanish movie called Witching and Bitching. Um, which is doing the rounds just now in America. I think it may, I don't know if it is on VOD yet or if it's about to hit VOD. Um, it got a slightly earlier release in Europe because it's a Spanish movie. And um, it's a, oh, it's such a good movie. It is visually really, really, really bold and bright and uh, not stereotypically what you would imagine coming from Spanish cinema, uh, but the story's completely batshit crazy. I mean, absolutely batshit crazy, and it follows um, a group of thieves uh, who rob a jeweler's and make a run for it and unfortunately come across uh, a coven of witches. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it's a laugh riot. Really, really, really funny movie. So that, that was one that I definitely like. And I appreciate one... you lording over us like, well, you know, it, it was Spanish, so we saw it forever ago. Like, hipster Europe. I, <laughs> I can't help it that it takes so long for things to come out over your way. I, I mean, the reverse happens over there. Um, I mean, don't get me started on the fact that Stage Fright's been out in America for ages, but still isn't officially out in the UK yet, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So oh, I believe that's an ice cream van in the background. So I, I thought it was music. either that or like an evil clown attack. <laughs> we have plenty of them in the UK. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the like you get you get foreign releases earlier certainly, but <laughs> random evil clown attacks. That's the balance. <laughs> um, the other thing I checked out, I, I was gonna I was gonna fire up with another really good strong recommendation. But I'd much rather talk about the thing I didn't like. So I'll very, very, very quickly touch on the thing that I really liked, which was I finally managed to get a chance to sit down and watch uh, the Arrow Blu-ray cut of uh, Dario Argento's Inferno. And um, I've not seen that movie in absolutely fucking years. And um, 
Oh, such a good movie. It's completely nonsensical. It's like, the, the, honestly, I, I genuinely think that it's probably his film that most captures what what a dream is like um, in terms of no real clear, powerful narrative. But that movie is absolutely stunning. I mean, oh, the use of colour, the just oh, an incredible, incredible movie. Great to see it on Blu-ray. But the film I saw that I didn't like isn't isn't within. But this isn't a horror podcast. Not necessarily. Yeah, you yeah. anything? Yeah, I checked out Nonstop, uh, the Liam Neeson terrorist plane movie. Right, uh, like, uh, Air Force One, only with Liam Neeson, and he's not yeah. the president. Yeah, it's it's awful. It's an absolutely awful film. Oh my god, it offended me on so many levels. <laughs> it's like really, really, really bad. When the justification in that movie comes out as to why, you know, who the terrorists are and why they're doing what they're doing, is honestly is the biggest slap to the face of any self-respecting cinema goer ever. Um, it is a dreadful movie, and I don't understand. Why? Uh, well, I kind of understand why Liam Neeson's signing himself up to do these things because it's easy money. But at the same time, Liam Neeson's a really good actor, and I don't understand why he's quite happy to allow Hollywood to con- continually pigeonhole him into this kind of older action hero badass sort of guy. Because it worked in Taken, it did not work in Taken Two. It worked in the Grey, and it does not work in Nonstop. So yeah, I, I wasn't impressed with that movie at all. Well, do you mind spoiling it? I because. Uh... You know, with, with the yeah, yeah. So what? What is the justification? What what took you off about it? Um, the justification is there's two passengers on the plane who are former U.S. soldiers who were based in Iraq after nine eleven. So their government sent them over there. So they are hijacking the plane, right? This is brilliant. They are hijacking an American plane and are going to destroy it in the air or crash it into the ground as an act of terror because they believe the government haven't went far enough in the preventative measures for terrorism. I mean, if that is not... <laughs> if right. that is not an affront... Basically, so that's what it's saying is, you know, it's all right for um, Al-Qaeda to, to fly a plane into the Twin Towers. So as, as retaliation for that... To, to kick the, the government, you know, up the ass. What we'll do is we will also hijack an American plane and crash it. It's just absolutely horrendous. And, um, yeah, just a really, really, really... The, you can see the ending. The, the ending is not two steps away from what happens in Snakes on a Plane. It's exactly the same ending as Snakes on a Plane once you take the terrorist thing out of it. And so you get exactly the same sort of ending. But... That that whole thing that was going in that movie just offended me on so many levels that I just thought, is this is what is this what we've come to? And that movie did particularly well, Bo. I think that did well at the cinema, and um, there's a lot of people like that movie. It's not got the it's not got the worst rating online I've seen for a movie which I detest now, but uh, yeah, that's an avoid for me, a strong avoid. But I dare say, well, this is a perfect time to ask listeners of the podcast if you. Watch that movie and you liked it. Please tell me why you liked it. Yeah, yeah. Explain yourself. <laughs> Please, yeah. What about yourself? You've been checking out things. I yeah. Oh, okay. So I watched uh, some movies under your recommendation, not just for the show, but because, you know, you you, you have proven yourself to be uh, of similar taste to mine. Mm-hmm. So I, I did see Under the Skin. Yes. Yes, you did. Yes. And wow. 
that's a movie. Yeah, I told you. Unlike anything I've ever seen before, is did it, did you feel yourself thinking about it after you watched it? Yeah, it's been um, almost two weeks now since I've seen it, and yeah, I, I do think back to that movie quite a bit. Uh, it you know it's visually arresting, and there is sort of a, a theme of what it is to be human mm-hmm. that really clung with me, and. and also, the last, let's say, five minutes of that movie yeah, yeah. are just stunning. Yeah. It's it's really good. And I, for maybe the first half hour, I, I felt like, I, I don't know where this movie's going. I don't know if it's just, you know, pretty pictures and it's really not going to take off like I want it to. And once, once you have the first, uh, I take that back, maybe the second instance of her seducing a man and you seeing what happens to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just so weird that I, I, I was completely on board. I was like, I don't, I have never seen anything quite like that in a, in a movie. And there are a couple of instances like that where I just thought this is, this is unlike anything I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it, it does favor Kubrick in, in terms of, the, the pacing and the the yes. way the, the shots are composed. But, you know, it's certainly its own thing. And, yeah, it's really good. And Scarlett Johansson's really, really good in it. And, you know, I, I mentioned this, I, I think, on Graveshift. But, you know, if you've ever had any desire to, like, I wonder what Scarlett Johansson looks like naked. You'll see her from every angle. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's yeah. no mystery left. I've got a, a particular uh, theory on why she did what she did in that movie. I, I think that could be looked one of two ways. One way she might look at it that as a, a kind of very, you know, low... It's, it's not likely to get a massive distribution, so if ever she was going to get naked, this is a film that people might miss her being naked in. And the second reason could be that if ever there was a film to get naked in, this is a film to fucking do it. Yeah. Um, because it's not that the camera's not leery on her at all or anything. Um, it just, it just completely works. She's, she's actually excellent. And I've always thought she was a good actress, but um, she she plays her role very well. It's I, I, one of the highlights of the year for me. Yeah, it, it's very, yeah. It, it, when we come to, uh, you know, the end of the year and start talking about the best movies, I, it's got to be in the conversation. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just does. So, yeah, so that's remarkable. Uh, I would echo your uh, your belief that, you know, if, if you like intelligent cinema, I just don't, I can't recommend it highly enough. I mean, it's, you know, um, it, it's really unusual and, and different and, and it's just a, such a weird examination of, of the human experience. And, and mm-hmm. there and there's a scene with a, a man who's disfigured. That, yes. That is just one of the most, like, compelling scenes I've seen in a movie in a long time. You know, like, that that scene in particular, I just couldn't look away. And I I can't imagine, I don't think that was makeup effects. I think that's just a dude. That No, that is, um, the, the majority of people she encounters in the movie are actually not actors. They are paid members of the public. Um, and all they were told in the shooting of the movie from the director was that you would you would be in a scene with Scarlett Johansson. She will cover this topic in her, you know, in her dialogue towards you. And just, they didn't have any lines to say back. So a lot of it's ad-libbed from the, the other person's point of view. I think Scarlett Johansson's lines are, you know, 
they, they, they were actually you know scribed out but the the people she interacts with he was solely picked for that movie because of his look but um i think i, I read somewhere that since then he has found work doing other things in movies now which i think is really cool yeah yeah but that oh man that scene is you know i mean not difficult to watch or anything but it's just so uncomfortable and mm-hmm. oh, it's, oh it's so good and another movie I saw uh, is Stage Fright, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, isn't it? Yeah, and it, as, you know, I'm a horror fan, certainly, but I'm not particularly a, a fan of musicals. But I thought this was uh, kind of, uh, you know, to repeat myself, it j- kind of a weird movie in that it was a musical, but it's also kind of making fun of musicals and it, it really interesting and you know, I, I had a blast with it. A completely different kind of movie in that, you know, it's pure entertainment. There's not a whole lot of, you know, deep meaning to mine out of that film, I don't think. But mm-hmm. uh, but really enjoyable. And uh, just because we had discussed it on a previous uh, episode, I wanted to mention All Cheerleaders Die. Yes, yes. Uh, I saw that. And I, again, I kind of echo your sentiments that, you know, it, it's fine. It's an okay movie. Uh, I was entertained when I was watching it. And, I, you know, I mentioned this when we were doing Grave Shift that I just want Lucky McKee to do the a movie as significant as the woman every time he yeah. directs a movie. Yeah. And that's I mean, probably I mean, exactly unfair. As, I mean, you put them, you, you, you put them on a pedestal because he has... He has released a movie which I, I genuinely think that the woman is one of the best horror movies in th- this half of this decade. I think is genuinely an absolutely amazing film, um, and I think it, I don't think it, it might be the scenario that it never reaches that level again. However, I would say I, I mean as I, I quite like the idea that he's made a couple of these sort of female revenge type movies, and this is another female re- revenge type movie, and I can understand he's maybe want to try and move out with it. I just don't necessarily think it's anywhere near as strong as anything else he's done, and that to me is one of the big letdowns, and that's that's on my shoulders because I go in with incredibly high expectations because I, I mean it'd be like going to see a Spielberg film. And walking in and seeing like a, some sort of weird found footage, cheaply shot movie with not a lot of substance. And I'm not saying that that's what all cheerleaders die are, but that's the sort of ratio we're dealing with here. I mean, Spielberg does massive, huge, visually entertaining movies, and then to see him do something shitty would be like, you know, I don't understand that. Um, Lucky McKee has done really enthralling, you know, stories which really grab you and kind of pull you into the muck and drag you through whether he wants it or not he drags you through that and there's always a degree of redemption at the end of it um whereas when i watched this movie i just thought that this almost feels like and this is his college movie and it almost feels like yeah a younger man would have made this movie you know a, a guy in his early 20s would have made this movie because there's there's something uh, like almost slightly immature about the movie um, and that's not what i'm used to seeing from him, which is, uh, yeah, uh, it was a bit of a letdown. It's not a bad movie. No. Um, but, but the CGI, if you're going to do CGI in a movie <laughs> yeah, like that, it's pretty bad. it needs to be, <laughs> yeah, it needs to be a lot fucking better than that. Yeah, all, all the blood stuff looked real shitty. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, but I thought the performances were fine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, but yeah, it, it, and I actually made the same comparison, strangely enough, that it reminded me of seeing something like uh, Always, from Spielberg, which is oh, a movie yeah. I really enjoy, but it's no 
Raiders, you know? Yeah. And I just want Spielberg to keep making movies as good as like Raiders or Saving Mm -hmm. Private Ryan. And, you know, these lesser movies like, like an always or something that is a perfectly fine movie, but just, you know, you, you just want more from the director because Mm -hmm. like you said, I mean, it's just a track record. You, you've made these incredible movies and now here's this thing that's not as good. And it's, you know, it's hard to reconcile, but, but also I don't want to limit a filmmaker. Like that's, that's such a, uh, an unwelcome pressure on a filmmaker to, you've got to make something every time that's going to be this major statement. Yes. Yes. And that's why when I interviewed him, Bo, and when we were talking about it, he was speaking incredibly passionate about All Cheerleaders Die because I I get the feeling that this is, he he did that in college, that is something he kind of had to almost, to an extent, put on the back burner so he could make films like me, and then there was an expectation for him. So I had to do films like The Woman, um, and after The Woman, he's felt the need to, you know, maybe take a break from that sort of movie making to go and do something else. And unfortunately, he spoiled us as as fans because we have progressed up with him that that movie almost seems like a step back um, on what is a, you know, a, a very, very competent rise in standards of movies. It just feels like... If I was to play the two movies side by side, The Woman and All Cheerleaders Die, and ask you which film came first in the filmmaker's repertoire, I would imagine you'd probably say All Cheerleaders Die first and then The Woman, because The Woman seems more mature. Yeah. It just seems like a weird project. Yeah. Now, I mean, you're, you're right. You're right. But I also would never tell Lucky McKee, you, <laughs> you can't make a movie no. that I don't approve of. You know? No. Uh, no, definitely And, and definitely. you know, maybe this is the the kind of movie where somebody will see it and get into it and then go back to stuff like May and, and, uh, the woman, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it was disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about movies that are not disappointing. Yeah. Let's we, do that. Yeah. So, uh, we will be, uh, right back after a short pause with, um, your recommendation to me, a, uh, a Scandinavian film mm-hmm. by the name of the bothersome man. Hell yes. Part two. There is absolutely nothing intellectual about the movie Rocky. And welcome back. So my choice to bow this week um, is, like you said, a Scandinavian film. The film is from Sweden, to be uh, exact. And in my very uncouth Scottish tongue, um, the original name for the movie is Den Bryssoman Manen, which is The Bothersome Man. It came out in 2006. Uh, The synopsis for the movie is, In a strange city where every person seems content beyond reason, a new man arrives in town and stirs up trouble by asking too many questions. Which is a very vague synopsis. Um, It kind of covers things, but it's very, very vague. I chose this movie for Bo because um, I saw this film, I want to say 2008, and is one of these movies that has just... It's always kind of stuck with me, not because it's incredibly, you know, too poignant or anything like that, but I just think it's a fascinating movie. Um, I love Scandinavian cinema in general, and I know that Bo uh, likes the occasional Scandinavian movie as well. So, Bo, the question for you is, what did you think of The Bothersome Man? I think this is a truly bizarre movie um, <laughs> in that it uh, – all right, so the setup is this this guy arrives on a bus. Well, mm-hmm. first, all right, the, the opening shot you see is of the most, not disgusting, 
but the most both dispassionate and messy kiss I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> which yeah. was which was really funny, you know, and, and and that's literally the moment where I was like, okay, what what country is this from? And <laughs> So as soon as I saw it was a Swedish film, I was like, oh, okay. I, I, I feel like there is a tone to not, you know, the country's films as a whole, but there, there's a certain amount of thoughtfulness to much of their, their films that make it, uh, you know, across the ocean to us and, uh, and, and get some, you know, international notoriety. But so the, the main character is dropped off outside, you know, essentially a gas station. And Andreas, the, the the main character, is taken to a city where he's given a car and a job and a place to live. And it's all the most superficially nice situation you could imagine. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the job seems not terribly demanding at all. Uh, his Like, everyone's offering him cake and his boss is, you know, a nice guy. And they have nice dinner parties. And he meets a nice girl and immediately has, you know, plain but nice sex with her. And there, and so the whole movie is really this idea of we're, we're in an environment where everything is fine, but nothing is really exceptional. You yeah. know, nothing's terrible. Nothing's great. Everything is just north of mediocre. And it kind of reminded me of a song by the Talking Heads called Heaven. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the lines from the song is, uh, you know, heaven is a place, a place where nothing ever happens. And that's sort of this movie to me uh, where and, and that's not a knock, like nothing happens. But the things that do happen are all perfectly pleasant stuff. You start to feel the, the, the dissatisfaction in uh, Andreas who wants something more. And he has a couple of encounters where he he runs into people who seem to have that same dissatisfaction with the status quo, even though the status quo is nice. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you lived in this city, it, it wouldn't necessarily be thrilling, but it seems nice. You know, that that's every, everything around him, just really nice. Mm-hmm. And then they run across, or he, he ends up discovering um, a hole in a wall where they hear uh, music. He, there, there's an, another gentleman that he runs into into the bathroom <laughs> in, in the bathroom earlier in the film who was talking about how, you know, no matter how much he drinks, he can't quite get drunk and he misses the taste of hot chocolate, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. The movie ultimately stands as sort of a metaphor for this sort of pleasant lifestyle that doesn't have any real fulfillment. Yeah. And the metaphor is extended throughout the film, and I'm not totally going to spoil it because, uh, you know, people ought to watch it. But it it is at first a very hard movie to get into because they don't really explain, like, where this guy came from or anything like that. I mean, it's narratively, it's just it's more of a um, an experiential film in that you're kind of thrown into this mystery with him. And you as a viewer, I think, are more curious than he is at first about all these things going on. Mm-hmm. But as the as the movie goes on, you really kind of get behind him. And there's a great scene where he so he moves in with um, Anne Britt is, is the character's name. The the girl he has very pleasant sex with. 
and she's an interior designer, but all the interiors are very cold and very uh, antiseptic almost. And the the move the word that kept reoccurring to me as I watched the movie was uh, stayed, you know. Yes. And he ends up having an affair with a woman who seems to like she she reveals herself to be someone who is having multiple affairs and doesn't have any preference with any of the guys. She she keeps <laughs> describing them all as oh he's nice and they're nice and yeah. he's like well but I'm leaving you know Anne Britt you know, kind of for you, don't you want to move in with me? Is that something you would like? She's like, yeah, you know, I could use a bathtub because I just have a shower, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's, it's all this very clinical sort of weighing the pros and cons of like moving. There's no passion to anything. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I thought it was kind of, uh, you know, this weird fantasy film in that it it operates on a very intellectual level about emotional things. And I the one the one knock I have against this movie is I never felt emotionally caught up in anything that was happening. Um although on an intellectual level I understood, you know, what the what the filmmaker was getting at and and appreciated the artistry of the film and that and that sort of thing. But it it still remained cold because you're in an environment that is by nature of the metaphor the film is expressing this sort of distant, cold environment. And even with the character, you know, bucking against that, um, I never truly felt completely emotionally engaged in the experience, Mm -hmm. but that's not to say that it's, it's, it's not a good movie. And it, it certainly, it reminded me a little bit, uh, strangely of, um, cinema paradiso. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Except that when you get to the resolution of that movie, there is this great emotional release. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this movie, you, you don't have that. It, you know, it still keeps you at arm's length. And I, I, I think you can argue that that's sort of the intent of the filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's how I look at it anyway. Yeah, and and that works, but in terms of just being a movie that, you know, kind of swept me away, like Under the Skin, uh, to, to reference that again, is another movie that's kind of cold and calculated for much of the film, but then leads me into a place that I found very emotional. And that's something that The Bothersome Man never did, but I don't think it ever intended to. So I'm I'm kind of complaining about something that I don't think was ever intended by the film. <laughs> but but just as a viewer, I I appreciate that. I, I, that's what I wanted. I was kind of hungry for the movie to uh, affect me emotionally more than than it ever did. Uh, that being said, it is very interesting. It is uh, well performed. Uh, actually, uh, Tron Fossa. Uh, I'm sure I butchered his name, but the the uh, lead actor who plays Andreas is really good in it. There's a wonderful scene where he tries to kill himself that yeah. is absolutely hysterical and, and, and kind of lends, lends to this sort of magical realism of the film in that you never really know where he is. I mean, is it like a purgatorial sort of environment or something like that? Really fascinating. Um, I, I really enjoyed the watch. Um, it, it's a movie that I, I am sure I will reference again. Uh, and I would recommend it to our listeners. 
But, uh, you know, like I said, my big complaint with it is I don't find it emotionally resonant, although intellectually it it engaged me quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I think this movie is a lot more highbrow than it necessarily should be. But for me, I, I, I quite I quite like that that fact. The the main actor, uh, Tron Dafusa, I'm assuming that's his name as well. <laughs> I liked him in this and always wondered, you know, I was always like, you know, he must be like a big star or whatever. And then he never appeared in anything that I watched until I started watching Lilyhammer, which is the Netflix comedy gangster television program starring the guy from The Sopranos. Yeah, Lil Steven. Yeah, well, yeah. he is a uh, Tronda plays his right hand man in it, and it is, it is a weirdly comedic role as well that he plays. Uh, he's not too dissimilar to what he's playing in The Bothersome Man, actually, um, as an actor. Uh, so, if you're familiar with that show, you'll be familiar with the style of acting that he gives here. Um, to me, yeah, there's. I, I think as the audience, I think what supposed to what what the filmmakers are trying to do is trying to they, they put you in a position where you see almost what people like governments and just in general what people aspire to have which is a, a nice reliable job um a, a nice family a nice wife or husband or a nice home and all the rest and um i think what this film tries to do is that it tries to put over the point that um sometimes nice isn't enough um, because everything in this movie is is what you would say it's exactly what you said it's what you would class as nice but there's no danger to it, it kind of reminds me of uh, I saw an episode of uh, Twilight Zone where uh, uh, the guy makes a deal with the devil to become immortal and when he becomes immortal he realises that there is no thrill in anything anymore there's no danger and if there's no danger to life what's the point of living and that's kind of what this works on a similar sort of existential sort of level is that when everything is just nice, there is there is nothing to it. There is no substance to it because there's no threat of him losing his job. There's no, uh, you know, when he eats food, there's no real enjoyment or taste in the food because it's just nice. And I think even the colour scheme of the movie, which is... Mainly grey and beige. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of that, you know. That's a that's an ex, that's an additional extension of what the filmmakers try to show you is almost this utopia of, of a of a place. But the the problem with this utopia is because everything is is such you know, that that saying that we'll have if everyone liked the same films then or everyone liked the same style of film then film would be boring. Um, this this movie is kind of like that. It's if everyone had you know, a safe job, a nice family, a nice house and all the rest, there'd be no risk, there'd be no danger, and if there's no danger, then what's the point of living as a human? And I think it handles that very well. I, I, I can totally see where you're coming from in terms of the emotional aspect of it. Um, the film is basically dealing with characters that, you know, are really devoid on most levels of, of any sort of emotion, really, because they are very stuck in the status quo and, and are very happy to be there, so are not passionate. There is no passion in this place. There is no artistic passion to do anything. And as a result of that, watching that, you can't empathise with any of the characters, really. Um, you're left in the position of your main character is to question what's going on. 
why why are we here? Why are we doing these things? And I, I'm sure there's there's uh, from from the things I've read since the movie, um, there are many pages with many different interpretations of what the filmmaker is trying to put over. And he's been very vague about it as well. He's not exactly come and said, well, the film means this, which I quite respect. He's kind of left it in the, your ballpark to really take away what you want from it. Um, I think it's wonderfully shot. It has that. It feels Scandinavian. When you watch this, it feels Scandinavian. Um, I, I think the acting's really good. I think there's a, a really, really dark sense of humour that goes through this movie as well. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does leave you with these questions about, you know, like you were saying, he, you know, it, you know, is he, is he, did he commit suicide? Did he, is he trapped between, is he in, you know, purgatory? Is he in limbo? Where is he? What's happening? Why are things going this way? And you end up, the character, yourself and the character, as the film comes up, like you see from the start, you start questioning things as a viewer, um, while the character doesn't, and while the film continues on, you and the character become more in sync, the, you, there's an inherent sympathetic between you as a viewer and the main character as it goes on. I, I love this movie. <laughs> um, it's one that, I, I, like I say, I saw a while ago, and I revisited for the first time, um, during the week, and yeah, um, I, I, I hadn't changed for me. It was still something that I, I thoroughly enjoyed and thought it was, you know, just something a little bit different. And I, you know, it, it makes you question a couple of things, and I like movies that do that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's interesting to see in the film uh, how people are kind of drawn to, uh, you know, this leaking music. And, and you know smells and and things like that. And I I read uh you know after I watched it, I, was, I, I you know pursued sort of the same thing. I'm like you know what, what was this movie about? Or yeah, you know, <laughs> well like what what did the director intend possibly? But one of the best reactions I read to it was a, a woman who was saying that she had lived in Norway. I want to say, but that she had moved there from the United States and found the movie captured the experience of living in in that country mm-hmm. really well in that everyone seems to be well taken care of and polite and friendly and nice and that sort of thing, but not passionate, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think maybe one of the things I would have enjoyed seeing in the movie, again, I'm criticizing the movie for things it didn't do instead of what it did do, but um, <laughs> I would have liked to have seen even enjoying something that was terrible as well as something that was sort of ecstatic, you know, that, that just moving away from that, that sense of slightly above average mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that I think would have been interesting as well, but yeah, it's, it, you know, it, it's certainly a fascinating movie and it, it's a fun movie to puzzle over. Yes. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, Again, it's a really good recommendation in a movie I never would have watched otherwise, and it's one that I guarantee I will, you know, like I said, I'll refer back to in discussing other movies because what it sets out to to accomplish, it accomplishes really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my only complaints with it are just personal <laughs> complaints about what I enjoy <laughs> in movies. And, yes. and this this movie is a, a complete intellectual exercise beyond an emotional one. And I, I just tend to be a viewer that I love, you know, it's the reason I like something like Rocky, because there is nothing yeah. remotely intellectual about the movie Rocky. <laughs> yeah. But I love it because, you know, it's, it's the underdog, it's courage, it's heart, you know, that kind of shit. 
So, um, but yeah, yeah, Bothersome Man, again, if you haven't seen it, totally worth watching, especially if, if you enjoy uh, seeing, you know, a movie from a different cultural perspective, mm-hmm. uh, because it does seem to be making a comment about sort of Swedish life. Um, and, and the sort of, uh, population and, and the, you know, like you said, you know, it's what people aspire to. And at the end of the day is the aspiration of happiness, an end goal, or is there something else that we need to be fulfilled? You know, it's, yeah, but a really interesting exercise and, and something I will certainly think about, you know, as, as time goes on, um, but uh, what do you say we switch gears entirely <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and get out of our heads and instead uh, uh, talk about a movie about a big scam? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. I can't wait. All right. <laughs> we'll be right back. Part three. Let's not watch Meet the Fockers. All right. So the movie I recommended to uh, to Duncan this week is a movie from 1992 called Digstown starring James Woods and uh, Lou Gossett Jr. Uh, James Woods plays Gabriel Kane. Uh, who has just been released from prison when he sets up a bet with a businessman. The businessman owns most of a boxing mad town called Dickstown. The businessman, by the way, uh, played by Bruce Dern, uh, kind of wonderfully. And uh, the bet is that Gabe can find a boxer that will knock down, knock out rather, 10 Dickstown men in a boxing ring within 24 hours. Honey Roy Palmer, as played by Louis Gossett Jr., is that man. Although at 48, many say he's too old. Uh, and then there's some uh, stuff about Charles Makem Diggs who is a former boxer who hailed from the town and then uh, sort of famously uh, was injured in a fight and uh, was brain damaged and could no longer fight uh, and and is a legend in the town. So uh, I recommended this to Duncan because I kind of love this movie. Um, It is not uh, heady in the way that the bothersome man is. (laughs) Uh, There is almost no intellectual satisfaction to be garnered from this movie. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, at the same time, I like movies about boxing and I like movies about heists and scams. And this movie combines them. But Duncan, who cares what I thought? What did you think about Digstown? I almost feel like this is slightly unfair of you to, to spring this movie on me because last last week uh, you, you sprung a movie on me where, where I was given a scenario where would I like to live in a world where Jeff Bridges was president? And God damn it, would I love to live in that world. And then this this week you've flung a movie with James Wood in it. So it's, it's slightly unfair. I'm a massive James Wood fan. I think he's fucking amazing. And James Wood's playing a con man even fucking better. Yeah, this movie is a lot of fun. It's a lot of funny. Um, to me, uh, you know, it reeks of late 80s, early 90s, almost sort of buddy movie scenario it's not it's not actually a buddy movie um as such well it kind of is but it's not um and i'm not the biggest fan of boxing movies um at all uh not the the biggest fan of rocky either uh, there are a couple which are like absolute musts for me uh the first one the fourth one and the last one in particular but i, I wouldn't naturally go out and seek a movie like this in general even though the cast is absolutely stellar uh lou gossett jr um is in one of my favorite movies from the 1980s uh, iron eagle love that fucking movie so much <laughs> yeah that's, oh my god that is I've kind got... of a dumb movie but i really like that too i will go toe to toe i've had this conversation 
conversation many times before where people start talking about Top Gun, and I'm like, no, no, not Top Gun. And they're like, well, what would you say instead of Top Gun? I'm like, Iron Eagle. And they're like, oh, but the sim track, the sim track is, uh, you know, the sim track's so much better. And Top Gun, I'm like, no, no, no. Listen to the soundtrack from Iron Eagle. It's done by Queen. Right, right, right. You win Boom. Yeah, immediately. You've got Queen. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I've won. You know, I'm walking out now. Um, that's me finished. You know, I need, I need to say no more. Um, but yeah, I, I love that movie. Bruce Dern. I mean, he's a phenomenal actor as well. Oliver Platt is in this. A very, very young Heather Graham. Oh yeah, she she looks like a child in this movie. She, you know, there was like a almost a triple take for me. Um, when she come on the screen, I just did not think it was her. Um, and yeah, so it's like you kind of said there, uh, we have a con man who's been released from prison. He um, goes to this town, Diggs Town, which is named after a, a kind of a, a almost, almost famous boxer who was almost at the cusp of being one of the greatest heavyweights, but never quite made it. Um, and his partner is... Uh, Fitz played by Oliver Platt and he's went out there and hustled the town for a bit of money and uh, has taken the the car from the the kind of basically the owner of the town this guy who's conned the, the town out of their money and without them knowing and he's bought everything up and he's, he owns his boxing ring and we right from the start we realise that James Wood and Oliver Platt are playing some sort of long con here um, on, the, on the, the town they make this bold statement uh, that they know of a heavyweight boxer who, who is better than the 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 Diggs guy, uh, which infuriates the townsfolk, and then they make this claim that they know a almost famous heavyweight boxer who could knock out any ten men from Diggs Town in twenty four hours, and then the bet increases from there. There's a lot of subplots going on. Um, it's a lot of fun. The movie is a lot of fun. I think James Woods is just. He's just fucking awesome. He's such a cool actor. See, certain actors just, you know, they, they exude coolness, and James Wood's one of them, and he isn't necessarily delivering the best James Wood performance ever, but even even James Wood on a kind of off day is still pretty much better than most fucking actors out there. Um, he's very much playing a comfortable role in this movie. It's nothing too demanding or stretching for him. Um, Lou Gossett Jr. is brilliant in this movie as well. Um, they have some... They have, the two of them, actually, uh, Gossett Jr. and Woods have some great chemistry on screen. Um, Bruce Dern plays... Like, the most contemptible of people. He's so weaselly in this movie. He's <laughs> such a dick. He really is such a dick. Um, and that's, I mean, that's it, very few people could could pull that role off as well as him. Um, I liked where the story was going, although. Uh, with this sort of movie, you know what the ending is very early on. There's only one way this sort of movie finishes. Uh, there's no massive spoiler coming up or anything. Yeah, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. Um, I, I will watch pretty much anything with James Wood in it anyway. And once again, this is another film that appears to have went completely under my radar. Uh, and I don't know if it's because if I walked into a video shop and I'd seen a video cover with a boxer on it, I would have probably walked away from it. Um... But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I think there's there's a lot a lot in this movie that made me smile. I think what the movie does very well is um, it will hit you with something very dramatic. Like there's a particular sequence where, I mean, um, James Woods has he has managed to get a list of boxers that are going to be or residents 
uh, well in advance, so he's bought off certain ones or set them up with laxatives um, or things like that. And um, <laughs> the brown bottle—that's what they call it. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, <laughs> but there's there's two brothers, there's two coloured brothers um, who are fighting, and one of them acts so poorly in the ring that it, it draws the suspicion of Bruce Dern's character, and when he um, finds out that one of them has been paid off and the other one's likely paid off. He gets one of the, the brother that has fought and puts him in a noose, um, puts him on a chair, and then you have a, a sinister guy holding a gun on the brother, and he basically says to him that if you don't go out there and you know take care of business, then your brother is going to die. And the brother goes out and gives it his all, but he's not a professional boxer. And, of course, Gossett Jr. doesn't know what's happening, so when he knocks him down, the brother... Runs uh, a very emotional scene where he runs and finds out that the stool's been kicked out from underneath his brother and his brother has been hung. And there's a very shitty sort of suicide note. And then obviously the penny drops when James Woods go through and realise what's done. What this movie does though is it will give you a scene like this um, in very close proximity to a guy almost shitting himself in the ring. Um, and it, it, it it jumps between very, very serious and almost comedic. Like it, it, there's a there's a degree of they give you these hard hitting scenes, but they need to after that remind you that this movie first and foremost is a kind of quirky sort of comedy sort of thing like that. So you know it's it's raising the stakes and it works in both ways. Certain characters are being threatened and hurt. Meanwhile, the money's being raised up in the movie as well. That it's, it's building up to this kind of pivotal point. Um, at the very end, which with the very last fight was absolutely fucking brilliant. Um, so yeah, yeah, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I, I thought, um, I thought it for for what the sort of genre and style of movie it is is definitely amongst the top levels of those. Um, with not only a great cast, but just. I just yeah, like I say, watching this, I just imagined watching my watching this movie in the nineties, because um, it reeks of that. It absolutely yeah. stinks to high heaven the nineties kind of cinema, and um, I got this weird sort of vibe of almost at times like uh, like Midnight Run. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is another favorite of mine. So oh, Midnight Run is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Um, like it, full stop. Uh, and it's when people sit there and say, oh, De Niro's, he's such a funny guy, watch Meet the Fockers, and you just want to slap them and say, no, let's not watch Meet the Fockers, watch Midnight Run. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. was 20 years before, and it's so much fucking better. Um, so, yeah, yeah, uh, this movie, um, well, just out of curiosity, why did this one spring to mind? Well, it, it was just one of those scenarios where I caught the fact that it was on uh, Netflix Instant, and it just reminded me how much I enjoyed watching this movie. Like, th this is one of those movies for me that I almost categorize as a hangover film where if you're slightly under the weather and just don't feel like moving off the couch for any good reason, mm -hmm. that it is the perfect movie to come on. Uh, because it doesn't demand a lot from you uh, intellectually. You don't, have to, <laughs> you don't have to piece together the plot. You know, there's <laughs> nothing intricate about that. But it's filled with good actors giving good performances and a story that isn't surprising, but is satisfying. Mm -hmm. You know, like everything it sets up in the movie, it pays off. Whether it's, you know, like you mentioned, the the, uh, the death of the younger brother, um, Slim, I think was, was the younger brother's name. Mm -hmm. And 
whether it's that or, you know, here's the, the uh, you know, James Wood's buddy Wolf from the prison uh, fighting Minoso Torres. That's what it was. Minoso Torres? Yeah, yeah. Minoso the, Torres? Yeah. The, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, whether it's, it's, you know, setting, like bringing that back up from the first scene, I think structurally, you know, as as a writer, Duncan, um, <laughs> get off my fucking high horse. But no, I, but as I was watching it again, I was like, man, this movie satisfies every question it raises. It every character kind of pays off in one way or another, whether it's uh, John Gillen, who uh, Bruce Ern's character, whether it's his son. You know, I think all the stuff with Oliver Platt, who I just like anyway. I think he's a fun actor to watch. Definitely. And I love the moment where, you know, everyone's pissed at him after, uh, be, you know, winning a bet at pool. And he says, like, did I ask you to bet me? Did I yeah. ask you to play pool? Did I ask you to play poker? No, you asked me. And I said I was going to win. Mm -hmm. And when I did, you're mad. You know, um, like the con in this movie, I think it is fun. Yeah, it, I mean, it's just a thoroughly entertaining movie that I've seen a number of times, and it doesn't ever get less entertaining. You know, I like I, I still enjoy all the things I enjoyed about it the first time. I even like the scene when he's like, you know, uh, showing the uh, wolf's shirt to wolf's dogs. Like he he's asked to uh, go visit. Uh, the dogs from, you know, his, his prison friend so that, you know, he can, uh, you know, kind of say hello from afar. James Woods yeah. reluctantly agrees to do this. I even like that stuff, you know, um, like all this stuff is terribly cliche, but it it's sort of elevated by how confidently I think it's done. Mm -hmm. I think that that owes a lot to like the cast as well, though. I mean, like James Wood's a very confident frontman, you know, or lead in a movie. I think he's 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 quite because he, the thing is, you're watching him, and ultimately, you're watching a guy who is reprehensible. He's a con man. He's conned people out of money, um, but he's almost like a Robin Hood character in this movie. In that, when he, when you find out why he was originally caught and he's originally incarcerated, is because he really was ripping off rich people with art. Um, and in the case of this one, he's kind of ripping off a guy who is pretty reprehensible anyway and has conned the, the town with their money. And part of me, part of me sees that when the film finishes, James Wood almost gives the town back to the people and takes the money which he's got as, you know, as his. Which, you know, I mean, that's how I like to see that. I like to see yeah. that, you know, that... That that's what happens ultimately is the times people get their time back. So um, yeah, yeah, very good movie. All right, excellent. Uh, oh, one other one other scene I gotta I gotta point out is uh, a line that reoccurs to me every now and again is uh, when they they first start the the actual bet, you know, the the fight with Lewis Gossett Jr. Uh, fighting the Ten Men of Digstown. Yeah. Um, you know, he says, "Yeah, no, this guy seems real doable," and. You know, James Woods is like, yeah, 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 go put him away. He's like, well, he could get lucky. I mean, they could yeah. always get lucky. And he's like, well, you're not being very reassuring. And he says, well, if I got to take all the bunches, uh, all the punches, it seems only fair that you share in some of the anxiety. <laughs> uh, and it's little stuff like that. You know, like you said, they, they've got a real chemistry on screen. And, and James Woods, uh, uh, the other one that I really enjoy from this movie is is when he is being threatened by um, – 
the guy who's basically backing him mm. and uh you know his his son or his thug you know goes to james woods and kind of strings him up and mm. uh you know he makes some comment about like you know i i'll bet you four dollars against an hour with your mother that yeah. uh you know that this is all gonna work out and the guy punches him he's like you're right you're right that was insulting five dollars yeah uh, <laughs> And little things like that, you know, like the. I love, I love when he's giving them the. He's trying to give them motivation, and oh, and the, the, the hammer comes in. This huge guy, he's like, yeah, he's bigger than you, he's younger than you, he's stronger than you, but but you're black. <laughs> and he's, he's like, he's like, he's like, he goes, I don't know, always try to go for something inspirational, try to appeal to your roots. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like. You're not really good at this motivational stuff. Because yeah. every motivational speech is terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I, I quite appreciate that as well. Yeah, yeah very fun movie. So, uh, all right, well, uh, you know, we, we've discussed the films. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and uh, let's see who came most correct. Mm-hmm. Part four, a jihad on Dickstown. All right, welcome back to the scoring round. Of Doug and Bo correct. Uh, this is interesting because again, these are two wildly different kinds of movies. Almost unfair to compare them, but it is our our job, nay, our duty, to mm-hmm. compare them. Uh, so, Duncan, who do you think came most correct this episode? I'm I'm so curious what what you think is the winner here. Um, I'm going to go with your film choice, and there there are a few reasons as to why I'm going to go with your film choice. Um, the first main reason is I think that the cast in the movie is phenomenal. Uh, there's so much to like about this cast. Um, two, I do, like I say, I don't necessarily like movies where the, there's boxing involved with it, but I do like movies that have con, like con artists in it. I find them quite interesting, especially when you see how it plays out by the end. I think that's quite interesting as well. And just this movie has a really good sense of humour. And it's like you're saying, there's very few holes in this movie, if any. Um, it basically ticks all the boxes and it's a very enjoyable watch. And I think in terms of kind of what I was looking for, especially today, because uh, I, I had a, a bit of a heavy night drinking last night for a works night out that when I watched this movie. Had I watched The Bothersome Man today, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. <laughs> right, right. Because you, you kind of have to use your head a little bit too much in that movie. So um, to me, it, it, it's, it's a great movie that I wish I had seen. Well, I say I wish I'd seen before. If I'd seen it before, we wouldn't be talking about it just now. And talking about it just now has been a lot of fun. So yes, I think the UK most correct, sir. I I agree with you. Um, not just because I recommended the film. I mean, I think we're both we're we're both better than that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I and and again, this is just a a personal preference. These are both really good movies, well deserving of your time. But Digstown for me is just a a very satisfying fun watch. It's a movie I can watch almost any time. I feel like The Bothersome Man, as you were insinuating, is a movie that you kind of need to be in the mood for, or at least in the right Definitely. frame of mind for. Definitely, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, there is a reason that I have only ever seen that movie once before. But I remember I really liked it, but it wasn't as if as soon as it came out and dvd i was like i need to own this movie you know it wasn't like that i think um yeah it's uh, i think they're they're on two different levels really um i think more people will would sit down and appreciate watching a movie like like digstown it's got a, a bigger appeal just because it's 
it's not a safe movie, but at the same time, it's kind of safe movie, but it's done really well. It's not done... There's so many films like this out there where the cast are wrong and all the rest. There's real care and attention to it. And um, whilst other one, I think the cast is great and there's real care and attention to that movie as well. I just don't think that anyone could sit down and watch that movie and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, not anyone in the sense that no one should watch it, but there there are people who could watch a bothersome man or the bothersome man, and and come away from it feeling really dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's hard to imagine who I, you would have to just be a communist not to enjoy Dickstown. <laughs> Maybe that's my argument for it. Ultimately, is if you if you are a communist who doesn't like joy then Dick Sound is not the movie for you. <laughs> Otherwise, I recommend if you don't it like, If you don't like Dingston, the terrorists win. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then at that point, just declare a jihad on Dingston. <laughs> but otherwise, any, any... And, you know, this represents now me retaking the lead in it our does. ongoing struggle. It does. It does. Um, it, it, somehow, it, it feels it feels quite nice to have the stress off my shoulders for a while. Um, but but make no doubts about it. I will be uh, returning with teeth on the next one. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing with this show is that it's there is an element of gladiatorial combat <laughs> as well as discussion of film. And that's what I appreciate most. And if you're in the lead, as I am now, uh, you know, just to remind everyone, then, yeah, you got a target on your back. You know, you you are one movie away from falling. And uh, we don't have a healthy separation. Like, there is not, there has not yet been, mostly because we have, you know, this is only episode six, but we haven't Mm -hmm. had, you know, someone take a two, three movie lead where it really puts someone in a hole. It's really been neck and neck. So, although I feel good about my recommendation next week, so I yeah yeah I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to put the thinking cap on and try and scupper any chance for a two point lead. I'm not having that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> really, your best bet is for Ben Wheatley to release a movie next week. <laughs> <laughs> at, at that point, like it, you know, you, you win. So. <laughs> So, uh, what, what do you have coming up? Uh, well, you know, here's something that we, we've been doing that I really enjoy. What movies have you not seen yet that you're really looking forward to seeing? Uh, well, top of that list and um, is one that I think we'll be talking about sometime in the future, Bo. It's Cold in July, uh, which is a new Jim Mickle movie starring Michael C. Hall and Don Johnson. I am a huge Jim Mickle fan. I think he's probably one of the most interesting directors in that i think there's a lot of directors coming out just now in the kind of horror genre and stuff that i'm like that they're the next big horror director and i can only ever see them as being a horror director Uh, jim mickle to me is an interesting director just in general i think that that man could pretty much almost uh, not not i'm not saying he is hitchcock but on the levels of hitchcock could direct anything i think he proved that and he's he just seemed to be able to turn his hand to anything. I think Mickle is the same. I think Mickle is is moved from doing horror. This film is apparently more of a thriller. I don't think it'll be that long before he's doing like drama and just trying to stretch out and do anything. So it's the one I'm most 
looking forward to checking out. Um, there is also, and the film escapes me. Why does it escape me? Um, I'm going to be chatting. I have seen this movie before, but I'm, I'm just going to throw it out again because I've not seen it in a wee while and I'm looking forward to doing it. I'm going to be recording a bonus episode coming up with Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation where we're going to be talking about a very lesser known giallo film. Um, it's an American giallo and if you know if you know what a giallo is you know that there aren't many of them outside of Europe um, but it's by a director called Donald Kamel and it, the film was called White of the Eye from 1987 it is a very 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 strange very weird film really really strange uh, to to kind of to pigeonhole it's definitely a giallo film first and foremost but there's more going on there um, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to revisiting that it's been months since I checked it out for the first time so yeah, that those are the two that are will be coming up very soon on my list. What about yourself? Well, um, the next time we speak, I will have seen Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that as well. And that's not necessarily something I would rush out and check out. But um, I'm hearing a lot of fun reports about it, which is kind of making me want to go and see it. I'm not sure if you're aware, Duncan, but there is a raccoon that fires some sort of automatic weapon in that film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I... I I was speaking with my, the, my my friend that knows the most about comic books is uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the Baz. Uh, and the mighty Baz had told me if there was one movie from the Marvel Universe he did not want to see, um, it would be Guardians of the Galaxy because of the strange raccoon character who was nonsense. Um, he has since seen clips of the movie and trailers completely turned his back on what he originally said, and it's the one he's most looking forward to seeing this year, um, just because he's seen how they've handled it and he very much thinks it's in keeping with the, the comic books. Um, not being a fan of comic books in general, I'm looking forward to checking this film out anyway because it looks bloody entertaining. And it kind of looks to me... There's a kind of almost kind of strange Farscape sort of Firefly sort of vibe about a group of kind of lovable rogues out there kicking ass in the stars. And I like movies like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it seems like a lot of fun. And I like James Gunn's work quite a bit. Oh, God, Slither is like, oh, my God. Slither, I was talking about this during the week. Slither is like, why more people don't like that movie baffles me. I don't understand it. Especially, why, why are Cronenberg fans? See, fans of Cronenberg, why are they not watching Slither? They're complaining that Cronenberg is now too arty for them. And they crave body horror. Slither, go and see Slither. Well, I, I didn't mean to bring up a sore subject, but yeah. I, <laughs> uh, you know, Slither is tremendously fun. I mean, really, I, I'm just a big Nathan Fillion fan uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, and, he's excellent. Uh, you know, having him in a starring role in anything just it means I'm probably going to enjoy it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm really, and also Super. I thought Super was really good as well. So yeah, something about James Gunn doing a big budget Marvel movie appeals to me, as does the, the sort of you know assemblage of rogues as well. I think it just seems like a whole lot of fun. I'm, I'm kind of, I now want to see the. Is it witching and bitching? Yeah, you need to check that movie out. That's a whole hell of a lot of fun, bro. Like seriously, yeah. that that to me is is one that you'll have a really good laugh at. Um, and they, they handle the kind of horror element really, really well, although it's not necessarily a horror movie. Um, the visuals for the, the witches is pretty pretty striking. In fact, that opening sequence, opening five minutes of the, the robbery, I'll just a quick spoiler, the opening five minutes from the robbery are basically street performers 
doing the robbery. So you have them all dressed up as like the most insane street performance ever. So there is one dressed up like Jesus holding a cross. Um, there is one dressed up like, you know, those little green soldiers, those plastic soldier toys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Had many yeah, of them so and melted them. Yes. Yeah, well, there's one of them. Uh, so uh, and they're all dressed up as street performers on the street but these guys are all coordinating to do the robbery and just in interactions and seeing this really is visually so it's such a, a, a visually strong film but it has a really good sense of humour behind it that when you check that one out I would love to love to pick your brains about it and I, see what you mean I have just verified that that is available on BOD here mm-hmm. so I will probably watch that this very evening and it's oh, it's almost two hours long wow okay yeah it's, uh, it's not it's, it's yeah there's there's a lot going on in it but it's it's very quirky and very funny awesome yeah no I'm uh, yeah I, again I trust your recommendations almost blindly at this point you know (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah i'm looking forward to watching that and aside from that i've been keeping up with the strain i'm really looking forward to seeing where that show takes me over the next couple of episodes as well Mm -hmm. so uh that is a show that is completely stupid in a way i appreciate um (laughs) i watched i watched the i watched the original uh pilot episode uh, and I dug it quite a bit. I've just, I think I've got two to catch up with. I've, I'm running behind on my television shows at the moment, so I need to, I need to get on that because what I saw was very much like you say. It was just, it to me was very kind of nonsense. Sorry, almost nineties feeling television program where the characters feel like nineties characters. But in the same, the same realm, there is an absolute brutal head crush in the first episode oh, that made that film. Yes. So I, that sold it for me. I was like, I will watch this all now. Um, <laughs> right like and it's entirety the brittle head crush sold it for me 100 percent. there there's a moment like not quite like that but there there's a moment in the second episode that's really striking as well so um yeah it seems like once an episode they do something where you're like oh that was really cool yeah i'm done with that then <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean all the hero like there's no question who's the hero who's the villain nobody in the show they might as well have wear white and black hats and you know the yeah it, it's it's all very silly when you stop and think about it. And there are some leaps like, for example, why is no one like these are, are people from the CDC. They're trying to track down, uh, you know, the cause of this disease that has left, a, a you know, passengers on a plane dead. And then they find this big crate, right? With a bunch of dirt in it that came off the plane mm-hmm. and they crack it open. Nobody wearing a glove or a mask or anything like that. They just, Hey, whip that thing open. Let's see what's inside. Maybe it's a pathogen. Who knows? And <laughs> it, it like that kind of thing flies against any logic. But at the same time, it's like I I'm, I I give this show a whole lot of leeway to be kind of dumb with stuff like that because I just don't think that's the point. You know, this is uh, at the end of the day, it's a vampire show. So, um, yeah. what about podcast wise? What do you got coming up? What do you what do you what are you doing? What's shaking? Um, yeah, uh, I've taken a week off this week from podcast under the stairs just to kind of gear myself up for the upcoming next ten weeks of the ten best and worst horror remakes, uh, which I'm finally going to start doing. So expect a list of movies coming your way soon, both find it if you want involved with that. So yeah, that'll probably that's going to monopolize my time for the next for next week while midnight horror show uh, we are currently doing um with our listeners help we have compiled a list using a score chart of the top 20 horror movies released from 2000 up to present day 
which, you know, there's a lot of people bitch and moan and say that there's not a lot of good horror movies came out in the 2000s. They are very much wrong. There is a shitload. You just need to look for them. Um, so that's been quite fun. So we, I've done the, the between 20 and 11, and this week coming, we will be doing the top 10. So I'm looking forward to doing that. What about yourself? Yeah, I, speaking of Midnight Horror Show, I, I always get the message like, hey, you know, we're about to go live with this. And I was in the midst of watching All Cheerleaders Die. Yeah. <laughs> and so as soon as I finished it, I was like, I, I need to get in touch with them while they're on the air so I can tell them, like, hey, I just watch All Cheerleaders Die. And I was about 30 minutes after your show time. Uh, oh, God. Out, so I, I'd done the math wrong on the time zone. But, uh, yeah, 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 so, you know, everyone be sure to check that out. Uh, that sounds really, really fun. Um, I will be continuing on uh, Graveshift Radio, um, where we are wrapping up our uh, Ghosts of James Wan uh, series, and uh, that's been really fun. We did Insidious 2 last night. That show should be out soon. And Excellent. Yeah, boy. Ugh. Um, <laughs> No, I, I prefer Insidious to, to Insidious because I think Insidious tries to take itself far too serious as a movie um, to merit that wacky, wacky ending. And I quite like the fact that they're like that. If we're going to go wacky, then the second one might as well be full on whack. Um, and it is, that second one is camp as hell. Um, it's about two steps away from people dressed up in kind of poster paint, standing in rooms with light bulbs above them going, boo, um, just yeah. like you do with your, <laughs> your, your haunted house. Uh, experience <laughs> actors that's what they are so yeah uh, yeah I, I I have a lot more time for the second one than the first one because the first one to me I blew a lot of goodwill in the end and the last half an hour of that movie sucks ass so hard I totally agree but I think the first hour is real strong <laughs> Yeah, but that's I think that's what soured it for me is I, I I think that that first hour is excellent and it builds up tension really well and I think the fact that they did that at the end I was like you either do a full movie where you are doing it completely serious and then you know you don't have any of that campy stuff in it or you do the whole film camp and that's why I quite like the second movie because whilst they didn't give me a full film of this, the the part that I liked, which was the series stuff, at least they just said, well, we'd much rather be doing this in the second movie and did it instead of trying to weigh the two of them out because I did, that first movie is so strange. There's such an obvious, there's a, such a, a, an obvious cut of where the movie goes from being really, really, really terrifying um, to just, as soon as the guy shows up in the furry pyjamas, that's me, I, I've checked out. <laughs> I hadn't heard it described as furry pajamas, but you're right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so yeah, the first Insidious is it, it, it certainly crippled by by the last half hour of it. But uh, yeah, anyway, you, you'll you'll be able to listen to my opinion on the second one, which is I'll not, look forward to checking out. Not not terribly high. Um, <laughs> and uh, then, the, I mean, the really the big thing is devour the podcast. The the live 100th episode will be airing uh, August second. At uh, 8 p.m. Central Time, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, uh, there is a Google Hangout uh, involved. And, um, yeah, so we're going to be doing that live. We're going to be talking to people right on the air. It's going to be, uh, I believe I've described it as a mess and train wreck waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've done live podcasting before, and, yeah, that's 
that's pretty much what happens but um uh, it's a lot of fun there's a, there's a certain danger that that comes with with uh, doing live podcasting where you just genuinely don't know that you can edit something out <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is not editable at all so you yeah it makes things more interesting when yeah. you say things and go i really shouldn't have said that um <laughs> yeah I, I, and i've also been advising people like just start drinking about half an hour before the show starts and <laughs> you know you'll be right about where we are um yeah that's gonna be fun though so i'm looking i'm looking forward to that and yeah and that's kind of it um anything else uh on your end of the world uh no, no not really no uh everything else is uh Everything else is going quite fine. Uh, just now, uh, totally aside from the podcast, uh, Glasgow uh, is hosting the 2014 Commonwealth Games. So I've been watching a lot of uh, a lot of athletic competition on the telly just now, and Glasgow being very well represented in the world, so I'm, in, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying being 20 minutes along the road from uh, you know a sporting event which is watched by over a billion people um, daily, which is pretty cool. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never heard <laughs> totally of it. Um, the, the, you never heard of the Commonwealth Games? No, I'm kidding. Games. I'm kidding. No, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we were not part of it. <laughs> yeah, no, here in America, we, you know, we don't, if we're, if we're not a member of the, uh, the competition, then we kind of don't care. Um, but no, it, it does seem really exciting. It's, it's basically the Olympics only for, you know, not America. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah. That's, that's essentially what it is. It's every, every country that was part of uh, the Commonwealth or is part of the Commonwealth. So, i.e., the uh, the Queen of the United Kingdom is their head of state um, participates in uh, competition, and it's just basically like a very, very small scale Olympics. Well, it's, yeah, um, good that you where America is. I was about to say where where Scotland has a chance to win some medals, <laughs> because in the UK all the countries split up individually, so Scotland competes as Scotland. It doesn't compete as the United Kingdom, so it gets a bit more interesting. Uh, rivalries. So you have yes, you have Scotland, England, Wales, uh, and uh, Northern Ireland are all individual, but then it goes even further. So you have the Isle of Man. <laughs> which is like a small island. They represent themselves as a sovereign nation. And then, then you have other ones as well, like Jer uh, Jersey and, and stuff like that. All do it, uh, or Guernsey, sorry, Guernsey. Um, they all do it as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. If it, you're not in that it's like the movie Braveheart, only with, you know, footballs. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, all right. yeah I, I got it. I got it. All right, well, we will be back in, in two weeks' time, uh, or thereabouts, depending, <laughs> depending on when things get edit, edited. Uh, although the shows have been really long lately, so I feel like we've, we've, we may have been delayed somewhat, but we've made up for it in, in quantity. I uh, think so, I think so. I think um, I think we were being very ambitious when we said we could knock out half an hour episodes. I think we will eventually kind of get back into that, I think. I think. But what we need to do is we'd either need to speak off air for about half an hour before we start recording or you know, or, or at the end. <laughs> yeah, I, well, but I, I find that by being a little more flexible, uh, you know, I think the, the shows feel a little more cohesive and, and they're still not so. ridiculously long. So they're not ridiculously long. All right. Well, we will. Uh, we Oh, also any requests and or recommendations you have for us. We have a new uh, email address. You can send that to that is dbccpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send us your recommendations and uh, we will see you very soon with our next episode of Duncan and Bo Come Correct. Uh, Duncan, say goodnight to everyone. Good night, everyone. Take care, and we'll speak to you soon. I am just a poor boy, though my story's so untold. I've squandered my 